crisis. Hello and welcome to Foundling Found. I'm Julian Brown and coming up on today's show we'll be talking to Mo Jamil who is a care leaver himself and also a recording artist and songwriter who went on to win The Voice in 2017. On today's show we'll talk about some of Mo's early life experiences in the care system as well as some of the effects it had on his mental health. Furthermore we'll discuss some of the effects of the media depiction of those in care and societal views on circumstances surrounding those in care. We will also discuss how music was an outlet for Mo and how this helped him throughout his time in care and after leaving care. Hello Mo and welcome to Foundling Found. Um, I just wondered if you could start off by telling us a little bit of how people might know you. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Mo. Um, I am 25. Yes, I am 25. Um, I, you might know me um, from being on a TV show called The Voice. Um, I was lucky enough to win it and it was a great experience. Um, I've also gone on to record a album which ended up in the top 40 luckily enough. Um, so yeah, I, um, that's just a little bit about me. So when you were young you've been very open that you were taken into care at the age of around eight I think it was. Well, um, yeah. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Well, I, I was I was taken into care when I was uh, when I was born, but I was also taken back into care when I was eight as well. Yeah. So originally you were with um, adopt, adoptive parents, and then were taken on to um, yeah. foster care. I just wondered. I always like to start off by asking this: whether you knew much about care before that, and I imagine you being a bit young, maybe not, but um, I was always really aware, um, mainly because um, I remember quite a lot of my foster carers from when I was um, born um, and one of, as a, one of my greatest well one of my fondest childhood memories was with one of my foster carers um, called the Carnes and they had quite a lot they had a large family they had uh, about five children um, but it was a really like like it was a very loving uh, environment and I, like, I still think of them quite a lot so I, I did have some memories of care and experiences of what it was like yeah so I guess um as you started to grow up in care did you find it a challenging environment to grow up in with moving around in placements and things and if you can talk a little bit about that for people at home who don't know what that's like um it was challenging um obviously because when I went from being adopted to going back into care there was a lot of things I had to work through um obviously with my adopted family um, there'd been a lot of abuse that I'd kind of had to, it was, it was a lot to get over, um, especially because at the time you don't, you, you don't really understand what's going on. Um, so transitioning back into going into a foster placement, it took a while um, to kind of get used to things. Um, I'm living in a very white area. Um, there wasn't a lot of black, like black children or minorities around. So because a lot of white foster parents just stuck out everywhere I went. So there was always the question of, oh, who's this? And so there was always that explanation that had to be there. Um, so it always took a while um, to adjust. And because of that, I didn't really, I never really felt like I fit in. So as I got older, particularly, particularly going into my teens, um, I kind of just put my walls up and just 
kind of just isolated myself. Um, I changed placements um, twice um, in that in that period from age of eight up until the day before my 17th birthday. Um, and, it, you know, it, there was a lot of great experiences. Um, I was still close with uh, one of my foster mums in particular called Sue. Um, we, we still speak quite a lot. And I, I, well, even though we've had the pandemic, we've still managed to stay in contact, which is great. But it can be a very difficult process, especially when you feel like no one around you can really understand or understand what you're going through. Yeah, and I guess touching on that a little bit more, you touch on the, you know, being in a area where it was very white with heritage and race. And I wonder whether you find some of the societal perceptions also cause a lot of the struggles you felt internally with being in care and things and adapting into that environment? Yeah, it was, it was hard because, because I was born in London and when growing up in London, it's very multicultural. You know, I, I was like one of three Mohammeds in my class. So it wasn't, you know, it was kind of normal. And then moving up north where it, it was daunting because I was moving up north and it was a new area and then being put back into the care system, it was like, well, I kind of, it was, it was very overwhelming because not everyone is used to, you know, my kind of manner, mannerisms or kind of culture that I grew up on. So I kind of had, I kind of felt like at times I kind of had to dull myself down and kind of, in order to get with the status quo. So it was kind of like, I, I'm not, I don't necessarily agree with it, but at the end of the day, when you're the only face around you who has these kind of views, you kind of have to just get along to survive in a, in a sense. But it's all character building, I think. Um, and I think in the recent years where, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Black Lives Matter and all these different kind of subjects, I think there's a lot of people from my past who kind of come back to me and kind of said, I, who've kind of apologised for kind of the way that they kind of handled things and the kind of not knowing my life situation until obviously going on The Voice and then being able to kind of see a bit more into what my life was like. So thankfully everything's kind of come back around full circle. Yeah, and I guess that's one of the hidden things, isn't it, is that the care system is quite, it's not a visually... It's not a visual societal thing and a lot of things aren't. So people aren't educated about it. They don't know a, a lot about people's backgrounds and things. They tend to see a system or whatever and use that as the stigma or perception. I wonder, going into your teens then, is it, did you struggle more with being in care and your social group that you were around and the people that you associated with? Um, or do you feel that, it didn't really affect you as you were growing up to that teen. I think it was a it it was a lot harder when I became a teenager because obviously when you start high school, there's all these questions of okay, well, like you know, everyone's talking about the friends and family. And my high school that I went to, it wasn't associated with the primary school that I went to, and I'd kind of done that purposely because a lot of the people who had gone to primary school knew the extent of what had happened to me and I kind of wanted to have like a fresh start where no one would know who I was. Um, it kind it kind of happened okay but obviously not everyone obviously not everyone stays quiet about what they're told and so things quickly um, kind of got out and then when I was around 14 um, my adopted parents um, 
got into some le- well, got into a lot of legal trouble, and that that was highlighted in the area. And because I was connected by association, I was connected with to them. It, that made a lot of things difficult. So even though people knew, some people knew what happened to me. Not everyone did, and so the only thing that people could think of was, oh, he's he's associated with what they did and it did make things difficult obviously my close friends knew the ins and outs of what was going on but when people are angry they, they can't always listen to everyone's point of view so my, my friends my friends like helped me out but I think as I got older it it did it did, did start to take a toe like toe on me because I didn't like feeling controlled and I just felt like everyone was making all these decisions for me without actually listening to what I had to say at times. Um, yeah. And I guess that's a further point is sometimes feeling young people in care or care experienced, people often feel in times that they're, they're voiceless and they don't have much opportunity to um, have an input into decisions that are made. And you said there that you found that a bit of a struggle would you say you found it a continuous struggle or was it just at times a struggle? Because I know that's something I come across a lot of care experienced young people say. Um, I feel the, the, it, start, it started to become a bit of a battle between me versus the system to the point where like, I was, run, I was starting running away a lot. Um, and it was mainly kind of felt like, well, if no one's going to listen to me, why should I bother listening to you? And so I would... there was a lot of times where I'd run away and it was kind of me saying well if you're either going to listen to me or else I'm gone like I think I I reached an age where I was like I feel even though there was a lot I had to learn I felt like I needed to do it for myself because they weren't going to do it for me effectively yeah and that's uh, another thing unfortunately that a lot of care experienced young people I think relate to is running away and I guess another thing with running away is sometimes uh, some people see it as an attention thing but like you say there it's it's more of a I need someone to hear me or or somebody to reach out and I guess did you face some of those things when you ran away did people judge you on why you ran away before understanding and just yeah, like I like people. I think like, I can remember the first like the first time I ran away. Um, I was around fourteen. Um, literally went out of the house at night, and I just simply said, "Um, I don't need this situation. Like, I don't need I don't need a roof over my head. I don't need if this is if this is what you think is helping me. Like, and you think this is making me happy. It's not. Like, if you think." The roof over my head is going to make me feel like I'm a, like I'm like my friends. If you think that all these rules and stipulations that people are making in my life without actually listening to me is helping me, it's not. I'd rather live, sleep underneath the stars and feel freedom and feel like I can make my own decisions than live in this system that's failing to listen. And that that was all. That was kind of what every every time I ran away, I was like, I don't need, I don't need this. Like. I'd much rather live on the street and be free, you know what I mean? Um, so it, it, it was a constant back and forth. And obviously the breaking point was 
was the day before my 17th birthday when uh, I ran away and was like, I'm done. Like, I'm, I, I just, I can't deal with this anymore. Um, and then that kind of triggered a bit of a dark time for me. But, you know, it, it, it happens. I think sometimes, you know, you can't really control how life's going to turn out. You just got to roll with the tide. And with people who grow up in our situation, if you don't have a safety net, you are your only safety net. So you just have to kind of, kind of keep pushing forward. Yeah, and I think that's recently I met with a, uh, a someone who works in the head of uh, a county council and young people's department. And they said, the only thing we can offer young people is resilience. And it's very true. And what you're saying there is actually a lot of young people who are in care or leave care don't have any support system around them other than themselves at times. And I guess... Did you find that quite often in the care system and once you had left care, especially once you had left care, because that's an area where a lot of young people struggle? Yeah, like, I think once once I left, like, I was... I, I, struggled, like, I struggled with a lot of things. I think the pressure of school and the pressure of kind of trying to deal with the trauma of my past and my mental health was... It was all very much, and I think when you're at an age where you're looking at your friends and they've got, you know, they've got the family, they've got people that you can talk to, you know, they don't, they've not got the same issues or the same struggles that you're having to contend with. You kind of realize, like for me, I felt like, well, I can't really bother them with their problems, even though, like, you know, they're my friends. Uh, every, everyone's still got their own problems. So for me, I felt like, well, the only person who's going to support me is me. So I have to kind of try and, work through things by myself um and it, it was difficult like you know I had, some, sometimes I felt like I was moving in the right direction and then sometimes I felt like I was completely falling on my face but the main my main thing was just learning to try to well the main thing was trying to move through the trauma and kind of give myself a path to succeed yeah and I guess that's Another unfortunate thing that care experienced young people say a lot of the times they never want to be a burden because yeah. they see, they do see, like you said there, their friends are with their families and things and there will be times where you're sat there and I wonder whether you've felt this and I'm sure you probably have where you feel really lonely because you see everyone around you is either with friends or family and you're like, you do sit there and think and I wonder, you're saying getting to that path and trying to get to a better place, would you say at times you felt like you had a support network if you really needed to and didn't feel like you had to do it on your own? Would you say you felt like there was somewhere that you could go as a care leaver? There was, like, I had I had friends and, like, their family who supported me in different times. Yeah. Um, like, I don't get me wrong, like, I did have people in my life, but I think when when you aren't used to being around people because you're kind of used to being on your own even certain there's like certain things where you just you're not you don't understand it because you, you've never been in that situation before um and as you said like you don't you don't I I hated to feel like that guy who everyone's just I hate people feeling sorry for me like I just it it, it just didn't sit well with me I didn't I didn't like people just being like oh boy and I was like I don't need sympathy. I'd just rather have 
someone who I can talk to about these things. Um, because I feel like a lot of times when I was younger, I felt like a spare part because I was always just, I always felt like I was just there as opposed to being part of something. And I, th- I think even though people at times did try to help me, I, I kind of didn't feel like it felt it was coming from the right place. So at times like, well, I'd just rather be on my own. Um, and it's only now, like when I'm older, that I'm kind of starting to open up to people a bit more and kind of let uh, allow people to be there. Yeah. And I guess that also leads me on a bit onto how did you find music in a sense? Because for you, some of your music that I've listened to, I can hear some of your experiences and the lyrics and things, and it's very moving. But I wonder, did that help you at times where you felt in those places that you were on your own and struggling and things? Yeah, I, I feel music's always been something that's stayed with me um, from a very, very early age. I've always been in touch with music and I've always found that music's been the thing that can centre me a little bit, whether, whether I'm writing music, playing music or listening to music. Um, you, you, you know, you, I feel a lot of the music that I've um, written, that's, I mean, there's a lot, that's thing, there's a lot of music I've written that's not being released that kind of talks about some of these subjects a lot more, but yeah, music's always been the number one focus for me, I think when I didn't feel like things were going well, I, I just kept, I always had my eye on music and I was just constantly doing it. It didn't matter whether I was playing, like the type, there's times that I'd, I'd be playing in places and hardly making any money from it, but it was just knowing that I was doing it and knowing that I was putting those hours in was the motivation. So it, it stayed, stayed with me. Uh, I wonder with that, whether you ever found in education and when you wanted to achieve things like your music and wanted to pursue those, whether you ever found a setback from the system or a disadvantage with the system? I think, like, for me, I, luckily, like, I was always one of those people who was just, like, I don't want a backup plan. Like, like because, like, when you're growing up, they always say, you know, you can have dreams, you can have goals, but you should always have a backup plan. But I was always that person. It's like, I'm, I don't. I'm not, I don't want a backup plan. I want to, I want to do music because that's the thing that makes, that makes me happy. It's the thing that I feel happy doing. I don't want to, I don't, I, I, whether, I, whether I make a small amount or a large amount of money, it doesn't, it doesn't really phase me. Like provided that I'm doing something that I love and I can be ha- like be happy doing that. Like I'm, it doesn't really phase me. So even, even at times when I, that she was making hardly any money. I was still have. I was enjoying myself because I was being able to live my like my my life and be my true self. Um, and I think when you go when you're caught up in a system where you go for all these go for all these changes and you, you have all these rules and people trying to tell you what to do, I felt like music was just that thing that I could say. Now this is this is my thing. Like I'm not gonna. No one's gonna tell me what I can and can't do because this is who I am and I guess in a way it, it gave you a voice in a time where you felt like you didn't have a voice in certain areas of your life as well and I think Certainly. that's a very empowering thing and I 
one person said to me is that creativity is very good for mental health and I didn't believe them. As someone who uses creativity in their music, I wonder if you can, sh if you can like, I don't know, possibly share a bit on why you think it helped you so much or how other people can get in touch with their creativity a bit who are in care to maybe help them a bit. Uh, I, I, I totally agree. I do think uh, creativity helps with your mental health. Um, I think for me personally, it felt good to be able to write about these experiences and find a way to kind of get those experiences across to people without them without it feeling overwhelming for people. Um, and I think sometimes writing things down, if, you, if you're getting it down on a piece of paper, it's, it, you're getting it off, off, you know, it's coming out of your head and it's getting it off your chest. Um, and I find like for me, if you're able to kind of use, you know, your experiences in a kind of creative way, I, I, find, I find it very relieving. Um, and I think it can often help the people around you to understand you more as a person. Because, you know, the, like there's times when I've not been able to convey what I wanted to to the people around me, but I've written something and they've been able to read it or listen to it and they've been able to say, okay, I understand you a bit more. Um, and a lot of the time you, you, you don't know where it could go. Like, as I said, like I started, I started just, you know, playing little things on the guitar and writing different, different things down. And next thing you know, I was like, oh, now I'm going to go perform somewhere. And then it, it, you, you should always, I feel like everyone should always have some form of creative thing to do because you can meet new people as a result as well. And so I just personally think and anything, no matter how big or small it is, you, sh you should always give it a go. Yeah, I think that's brilliant and very good words for anyone out there. Um, I also wonder if I could just possibly ask, looking back in your in your time in care and now, what you, how you think the the, the public and the media portrayal of those in care overall, whether you think it, it's negative or positive, and how you think that we can all come together to try and change it a bit and help young people in care. So I, I feel like the way that public perception and media portray it, um, I feel like it's viewed very negatively. Um, I think, unfortunately, we live in we live in an era where everyone wants just wants sound bite, like sound bites and one liners. Um, like I know for me, whenever I really tried to talk about it. Um, it would be difficult because people are, as I say, you're only really getting these two, three minute, you know, sound bites. And so that doesn't really give the full story. And I think with um, TV, some, you know, TV shows, particularly um, talent shows, I think people have got, people always have this kind of view of oh, sub stories and stuff like that. And, Unfortunately, if you're one of these people who, you know, have, have gone through some of these experiences, you might, even though you don't want to talk about it, like particularly, I didn't really want to talk about it because I knew the, the way, you know, the way the public perception is of, you know, people from our kind of background. So, unfortunately, you know, I don't feel 
we get the best kind of representation because we are kind of told it's reduced to sob story and antics from you know media um and i think if you kind of look into some people's stories uh, there's a lot there's probably a lot of people who are in the public eye who unfortunately have you know probably have these experiences who can't talk about it because they do they have these kind of views of us in the public so hopefully it will change but uh, i think unfortunately we we don't i don't feel we get the best uh, uh, no i feel we're again like i said earlier on possibly one of those unseen parts of society and of a wider system that unfortunately just don't get seen because it's not a visible thing to see and unless you watch tv series like tracy beaker or something or no i i loved i i i loved watching tracy beaker but that was one of the most that was a nickname that just didn't like never sat well with me yeah it was like once people like it, it once people like knew that I was, that was like busted that would be used as like a like as a slur kind yeah. of thing so it was kind of just like and then when it came when it came back on tell like obviously you know they brought out Jumping the ground. series and it was like everyone everyone was watching new episodes and like tweeting about it like oh I, I miss tracy beaker and i watched it but i was there was still i still had those memories of having it being like thrown in my face as a slur so it was just like yeah and i uh, I, I wonder if asking this how did you feel watching Tracy Beaker and watching the new ones you know yeah now that you are a care leaver um you've left the care system and also she has and the way they depicted her life yeah I I, I feel like when when you watch the when you watch it when you're younger like I was watching it like I, I, this is Every, every, everyone everyone thinks this is what it's like and that everyone's telling me oh being in care can't be that bad and it's like it's just not that it's bad it's like you it's like everyone around you makes you feel bad about being in care and you it's it's the perception of being in care that is difficult like every, that, that's the hardest part is everyone it's all the things all the things that come with being in care and everyone just thinks oh this life must be like Tracy Beaker it's like it's not so much more that you don't know and then when the care when she obviously Tracy Beaker the newer one comes out it was uh it, you know it was nice it was like it was nice to watch because you know it was nice to see that you know it was a, a, a kind of good but realistic um view of what it's like the care leavers obviously she she had, she had a daughter who, and she at times she was having money problems, which you know a lot of Kelly will have. Um, so it like it was it was a realistic um, portrayal of what being a Kelly was like. So you know, hats hats off to him. But obviously, at the same time, if we're not hearing real people's stories in the media, and the public perception can't change. Yeah, and I think that's something. Hopefully through Foundling Founds and other things that are going on in the world and the care review this year that hopefully we have a wider national conversation about the care system because I wonder going into the care review this year is there anything 
you as a care leaver or someone who's been in care and knows young people in care, is there anything that you'd like to see specifically change to make it better? I think there needs to be more accountability at times, um, particularly with like senior people in the system. I think there's a lot of young people who fortunately, fortunately fall through the cracks and there's issues with like homelessness and issues of young people's mental health in particular because there's a people who I grew who I grew up with who were in the care system and when you look at some of the problems that they're now facing it's sad to see how little like care they've actually been given with regards to being able to transition from being in care to leaving care like that I feel that's one of the biggest problems that we face there's that transition from leaving care well from being in care to leaving care that's there's a lot of young people who just want once they hit that point they just they, they drop off and there's a lot of as a result you see a lot of families where there's like third generation fourth generation of being in care because rather than help fix some of the problems that these families are facing, they continue to get ignored and then it happens again and again and again. So there needs to be more accountability and there needs to be more done with the leaving care side because if, you don't, if you're not helping young people prepare to be adults and you're just setting them up to fail. Yeah, and I think that's very important, um, especially looking into homelessness rates within young people who are, who are care experienced or leaving care and offenders and addictions and all these different things. And again, it's a societal issue. And a lot of people will say, well, that's just a general stereotype for a care leaver. That's what they're going to be. That's where they're going to end exactly. up. But I guess that is because, like you say, people aren't taking accountability. And one thing we need to be putting in place is funding a system that's there to work, isn't it, I guess? Um, yeah. And I guess, where would you like to see in 20 years' time the conversation around young people in care? I think, I'm hoping that in 20 years' time, we can say that we have a system in place that is going to prevent like young people feel they're going to thrive and i think unfortunately we have a system where most people are, are are in it feeling like they can't trust social workers they feel like they can't trust they, they can't trust the, the foster parents they feel like they can't trust you know the police and the medical help because and like the mental health is deteriorating we need to, young people need to feel like they can trust the system. They, they, they can't feel like they're part of an institution. I think that, that that's the main, one of the, you can't, you don't want to feel part of an institution. You want to feel like, you know, you, you're being supported by one, not, not, not just being your part, you're one of these people that are propping up. Yeah, and I guess that, wages. the other thing of trust stems from a very early age, doesn't it, as well, and the, the effects of that and there's wider conversations I know that people have about early intervention and things and all of those trusting things that build up and I I guess hopefully we get to a stage where a lot of the training for social workers and stuff is done by young people themselves because they're the experts I guess and they 
know where we're going to be going. I guess my last question would be, if you could sit there and just say anything to a care leaver who's sat maybe at home on their own tonight with no one there or whatever, what would you say to them? I would say that for me, you you have the opportunity and the power to do anything. I would say that just because you're you know you're on your own doesn't mean that like you can't like the, like you can't do things for yourself. Like I found that even when I was in the hardest places, I find find something that found music was my motivation. So find something that motivates you and just go hard at it completely like don't don't let anyone around you distract you from what you want to be i think at times people have told you in the past that to set yourself a goal but no don't never limit yourself well can i say firstly thank you very very much and i also wanted to ask um i've been listening to your album non-stop now it's just going in my head and there's some songs and i wondered if at the end of the podcast, we could play a song. You can choose it. It can be whatever song you wanted wanted it to be or whatever. But just so people can have a listen to some of the stuff you've done and maybe you could send us an audio phone note of you introducing it as well. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah. I would say so one of my, my favourite ones um, from my album would probably be uh, In Your Father's House. Um, uh, yeah, that 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 was that. Yeah, I'd say that's my favourite one from my album. Yeah, that brought uh, this to my album. This sacred ground ain't safe for me. Cause you took your hate and made it holy. And I'm still screaming in my. Cause what you left still runs too deep Your confession Saving lies from the pulpit now Your transgression Won't send you heaven bound, no In your father's house All my souls are Oh, help me.
Firstly, thank you very much to Mo Jamil for coming on today's show and talking to us about some of his own experiences of the care system and how that affected his mental health and trust with those around him. Also, some of the challenges those in care genuinely face and the misunderstandings surrounding this and how he hopes to see things change in the care system for those in the future. I would also like to take this opportunity to thank Coram's Voices Three Times project, the National Lottery Heritage Fund, and Rebecca Jones for supporting and help make this podcast. On our next show, we'll be joined by Charlie Spillett, a young care leaver, where we will talk about some of her own experiences of the care system and the stigmas attached to the care system and how that affected her, but also how she would like to see some of the policies and perceptions of those in care change in the future and ahead of the care review this year. To end today's show, we'll be playing one of Mojo Mill's tracks and I would like to let him introduce and explain why he chose this track. <laughs> 